Start your week with the latest NBA news and game recaps on Locked On NBA. Josh Lloyd, host of the number one fantasy basketball podcast in the world, Locked On Fantasy Basketball, love Josh, takes you around the NBA's major headlines with the helm of our local experts. Follow the Locked On NBA podcast today, wherever you get podcasts. Welcome to Locked On Nuggets, your daily Denver Nuggets podcast, part of the Locked On Network, your team every day. I'm your host, Matt Moore. We are running solo today because I need to get the Southwest Division preview episode out. I talked to Nick Angstot of Locked On Mavericks about Luka and whether he's going to get KP shipped out of town. I talked to Sean Coleman about the Grizzlies, who I think are going to be a little bit of a thorn in the side of the Nuggets more so than in previous seasons this year. And I talked to my guy Jackson Gatlin, who I do Locked On NBA on Thursdays with, about the Houston Rockets, a team that will probably not be nipping much at the heels of the Nuggets. But you never know. After all, they did lose to the Kings three times last season. Make sure to rate, review, and subscribe. Make sure to follow us. We are going to be launching a YouTube channel, which is very exciting. And by exciting, I mean terrifying because I don't like being on video that much, but it's going to be a good time. Uh, I will be back with Adam tomorrow. We are starting. The Nuggets have announced that they are going to go ahead and get started with basically media days is coming early. They're not going to do media day for a number of different reasons that I won't really go into here. Um, but starting on Tuesday, we're going to have player interviews Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, and then on Monday, the rest of the guys will go, including uh, Tim Connolly and Michael Malone. That'll be the, like the official start of camp. But we'll actually have like Nuggets news for you guys starting tomorrow. So that's like a really big deal. Make sure to check that out. All right. We're going to go ahead and get started uh, with this Southwest Division preview. We'll get started with Nick Engstott of Locked On Mavericks. Thanks for coming on, man. Really appreciate it. Let me ask you uh, first straight off. Uh, is Luca going to get KP shipped out of town? Oh, is Luca getting KP shipped out of town? Or is KP getting KP shipped out of town? Is KP getting himself shipped out of town because he and Luca don't get along? No, I don't think that, I don't think that's going to be the case. I think that uh, Luca made a really interesting co- comment on the end of the uh, Slovenia Olympic run where he said, we really, he was talking about the Mavericks. He's like, man, I really like the, the chemistry. We really got to get the chemistry going with the Mavericks. So I'm, I'm interested to see how he's going to react to and attack this Luka-KP relationship, how Luka is going to. Because Luka's he's emerging as, as a leader of this team. He was in the bubble. He was, like, doing a lot of stuff with this team. And I think he's going to take another step. And I think that step has to be, how do you get along with and how do you you know, relate to how do you include players that you don't necessarily understand you know, or get along yeah. with? I think that's going to be a big step for him. Let me counter with this. Wouldn't it be better for him to, instead of getting on the same page, just ship his ass out? <laughs> yeah, you know, probably like maybe at a certain point, but the spacing Porzingis brings is valuable and it, it does bring something. So I, there is something to that, but if they could ship him out for somebody else that would be, that would play and not get hurt a lot. Like, Oh yeah, definitely. So two years ago, I was like, this team has no defenders. They have nobody they can defend. How is this team possibly going to be good? I took the under. Uh, they went way over. Last year, I was like, you know what? They've got Luca and Carlisle, and that should be enough. I'm going over. And they did hit the over just barely. Just barely, yeah. <laughs> just barely, just a smidge. Um, they balanced the roster last year, and that didn't work. I think Bullock is a nice kind of middle point between Richardson and Seth Curry, like yep. in terms of defense, offense trade-off. 
is this team going to be better, worse, or about the same defensively as it was last year? Man, it, it's all going to depend on on who ends up out there, I think. I think the, the Goran Dragic situation is still kind of looming. His presence will determine they're going to be a little bit worse defensively, but then way better offensively. Like, Do, do they become the, the team that they were a couple years ago? Uh, we don't know what Jason Kidd will bring to this team for good or for bad, right? Like, We only know this team and this the construction of this team under Rick Carlisle is, is – is Jason Kidd going to come in and all of a sudden just things just don't work as well as they used to because Rick's plays were better and Rick understood, you know, where to put guys and all that kind of stuff. Is that going to be a big factor? But then you also have to look at, they, they were the, the team that struggled with COVID the second most after the Celtics last year. Like they missed a ton of games. They missed like almost like their main role players missed almost a month and a half uh, due to COVID. They had some injury stuff. There's just a lot of things going on with this team last year. Uh, it was down to like, Luca, Porzingis, and just nobody else at a certain yeah. point. And so uh, you're hoping you get a couple of games back because of that as well. And so, uh, and then hopefully Luca takes a step forward. Like you said, they bounce a little bit. You add, you know, Reg Bullock, Tim Hardaway comes back. You get Sterling Brown in there. All of a sudden you have like a couple more role, a couple more rotation players that'll hopefully help if guys do end up missing. Some- if Dragic is bought out, which there's still a lot of four traded there's still a lot of tension around that situation. It seems like, um, do you foresee Luca taking a step back in terms of the usage? Because it seems very much like they're geared towards doing the heliocentric. We're going to get, you know, him, we're going to get Luca as many possible, um, opportunities and possessions as humanly possible. Is that, are you on which which side of the usage train do you think Luca ultimately ends up on? Yeah, I think when he's on the floor, I think that he's going to have the ball all the time, right? Like it just doesn't make sense to play a different way than that. And it's just it's the way that NBA basketball is going right now. You have your best player has the ball the most amount of time. It just has happened more than it has in, in past, you know, in the history of the NBA. And so they'll continue to do that. But where I think Dragic really helps is Dragic helps when Luca is off the floor. Uh, that's where the Mavericks really struggled in the playoffs, especially when Luca went off the floor, they just couldn't do anything. And so, yes, hopefully Dragic will take the ball out of Luca's hands, a co- you know, a couple more times a game and give him some time to, you know, some people have said, well, what is he going to look like off the ball? Like, no, that's not what we're like. We're not talking about that with Luca. He's still gonna have the ball in his hands, but when Luca's off the floor, I think he helps spell him a little bit more. gives, gives Luca some more time, uh, you know, off the court during the regular season, get spells him a little bit more there. And so that's where I think he's going to help the most. Um, I have to ask this because I, you know, honestly, I don't know. Like people assume I'm a Nuggets fan and I'm not, are you a Maverick? You are a Mavericks fan. Yes. I am, I am not actually. We're in the same okay. boat. Here. We're in the same boat. Okay. Yeah. Um, so I will not ask or, you. Then when I was, when let I was me go- just say, let me just clear it up. I, I grew up a, a Los Angeles Lakers fan. I was born Ooh, in Los boy. Angeles, right in the middle of Shaq. Like I was became a basketball fan right in the middle of Shaq and Kobe. That was like right. my team growing up. I, Grew up in Cincinnati, Ohio with like no team near me. And okay, then well, now, not- I mean, now I've covered the Mavericks for like, you know, what, like six, seven years now. I've been, I've watched all their games since yeah. then. So like, I'm essentially a fan of them, right? Like, yeah, when well, well, yeah. the media, it's a little different. Yeah, I think it, it is a different relationship for sure. Okay, well, I will not ask you what I was going to ask you. I will change what I was going to ask you. Instead of asking you, have you already trademarked firejasonkid.com? I'll ask you, <laughs> how long do you think it will take until someone trademarks firejasonkid.com? Oh, man, is it not a thing? Should I dare to look it up right now yeah you better i would squat on that immediately i would just go ahead and buy that up i'm with you i'm just i'm i don't understand you know bringing in jason kidd i i 
I guess I get that. Okay. He's a, a part of this franchise that is, you know, won the title in 2011 and he's a coach and he can, you know, maybe t- talk to Luca, but like Luca's already there. Like if you're bringing in a coach to talk to Luca and to, to get, you know, on the same page with Luca, why? Like Luca's already top five MVP candidate. What, what is a coach going to come in and do that could help Luca or push him farther in, in a certain way that he isn't already doing right now. And so it's, it's about the other guys. And I don't know if Jason Kidd has a good track record with a lot of guys, but he certainly doesn't have a good track record with the other guys, right? The Jabari Parkers of the world, yeah. the, you know, uh, the Chris Middleton's, I guess, like just the other players that had the struggle or Larry Sanders, even that story that came out in Marin Fader's book. Like yeah. there's a lot of things that, that Jason Kidd w- was, you know, uh, not great at. And that was one of them. He got through Giannis. Apparently that was the, that's the one calling card that if you ask Mavs fans, or if you ask, you know, people that are for Jason Kidd being the head coach, that's the one thing they point to. Well, he got through to Giannis. Okay. Well, Luca is beyond that. Like, like Luca is beyond getting through from a coach. Like it's not gonna, it's not gonna make or break him if the coach, you know, doesn't work with him. I also don't know how many guys wouldn't get through to Giannis. He, I think he's coachable. I think he wants to be coached. And the other thing I think is like, it's very difficult when it's like, well, he got through Giannis. It's like, so you think Giannis was better before Jason Kidd got fired and was replaced by Mike Budenholzer? Because I would say that the two-time MVP seems a little better than the guy he was. I understand he got older, but yeah, um, a lot of concerns there. Uh, Final question for you. Do you think the Mavericks will be in the play-in or the playoff? Oh, they're in the playoff last year. I think they'll be a little bit better this year. I'll, I'm calling playoff again. I think a couple of teams, you know, they're, they're teetering on like, you know, one, in, one more injury for, you know, your, I guess not your, but for, for your nuggets or for the Clippers, like that's, de- that's devastating for, for those teams already having to deal with that one injury for the Lakers is probably devastating if it's to the big three. And so I think that the Mavericks will be uh, a little bit better than they were last year. They're the fifth seed last year. They'll be a little better. Wow. Okay, I'm trying to think of who they're going to be better than. Because I've got, right now in the West, I've got Lakers, Jazz, uh, Warriors, Nuggets, Suns. I'm assuming you think they'll be better than the Nuggets because Nuggets without Jamal Murray? Yeah. Okay, so that gets them up to fifth. Uh, who do they? Who of the Suns, Warriors, Jazz are they better than? I think there's some there's room for regression on the Suns, I think. Yep. Uh, Chris Paul, we're doing the Tom Brady thing with him, right? Like, yep. when is he going to fall off? Maybe he does. Uh, I think there's also some uh, people are really getting on Golden State really quick, and they're not going to have Clay Thompson back immediately. They're talking about, you know, what Christmas? I think that was the last thing that I heard with, with him. And so it's not like Clay Thompson's going to be back right away and immediately, you know, they're back to full strength. And even when they are, they're not that deep of a team to me. And so, you know, Clay Thompson tweaks something again. All of a sudden, you're back to this essentially the same team you had last year with a couple other rookies. And I don't know how much that helps you. So yeah. I'm, I'm d- more down on golden state than a lot of people. Are. That makes sense. That makes sense. Um, I do want to, as a kind of a counter argument, um, Jason kid. So other than that, that's Nick. Angstot. Angstot. Yeah. Angstot from lockdown Mavericks. Thanks for joining me, man. Yeah. Anytime. Before we take a break, you know, winter's coming. And in Colorado, that means heaters get turned up. And if you are wearing nice clothes inside during the winter, you're probably actually going to have a sweating issue because it gets really hot after you've dressed to be for it to be really cold. And that's why it's helpful to have sweat block. It's doctor created, doctor recommended, works for up to seven days per use. All you do is you put it on at night, you go to bed, you get up in the morning, you wash like usual, and you get to be dry, guaranteed for seven days. 
It's been featured and tested on the Rachel Ratio by Firefighters. It's been the best seller on Amazon for the past 10 years with over 13,000 reviews. And it's currently number one in Amazon's anti-perspiring category, manufactured in the good old US of A. If you or someone you love is dealing with sweat issues, you got to check out SweatBlock. Get it today for 20% off at sweatblock.com with promo code LOCKEDON or at Amazon and CVS. We're also brought to you today by DirecTV. This sound familiar? You got one device that lets you catch the game live and another that lets you stream your favorite TV shows. You're, let's be honest, you're downloading and watching an illegal stream on some sort of device because you want to watch the Nuggets or Avs and you got your neighbor's best friend's login for the good stuff. Well, I want to tell you about a simple way to get all the entertainment you love without the hassle, including your beloved Nuggets and Avs and a great way to finally get your TV together. It's called DirecTV Stream and it brings your live TV and on-demand favorites together like never before so you can watch your favorite sports, movies, and shows all in one place. No more juggling remotes, no need to buy another device ever again. The best part, no annual contract. Get rid of the clutter and the confusion and get your TV together with DirecTV Stream. You can learn more at directtv.com. That's directtv.com. Compatible device required. Content varies by package. We'll be right back. Here on Lockdown Nuggets, thanks for making this part of your day. Next up, my guy Sean Coleman of Lockdown Grizzlies is going to give us some news on whether or not John Morant is ready to take the leap this season. All right, Sean. So I think my biggest question for you as we look at the Grizzlies, um, Jaron Jackson Jr. is facing obviously the biggest season of his career. He needs like a pretty strong season. I think all around the Grizzlies need a strong season from him. What do you think he needs going forward in order for the Grizzlies to get where they want to go this season. What does Jaron Jackson need to do this season? Yeah. Uh, opportunity and freedom. And, 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 the, and what I mean by that is, is that um, first of all, it's a pleasure to be with you, Matt. Um, when I say opportunity, the thing that I am getting at is, is that with Kyle Anderson, John Morant in the starting lineup with Jaron Jackson Jr., you've got the Grizzlies best two facilitators, you know, outside of Tyus Jones, obviously, but in terms of their ability to play together, John Morant and Kyle Anderson, you've got the best two facilitators the Grizzlies can offer that will play with Jaron. They've got to focus on getting him the ball. They've got to focus on getting him the ball from three. They've got to focus on getting him the ball down low, letting him balance inside out, make him a featured part of the offense, the second best option for the Grizzlies outside of Jaw. So it's got to be opportunity on offense and balanced opportunity, especially with the Grizzlies likely needing to shoot the three more. And the freedom – what I mean by that is on defense. I think that when you go from Jonas Valanciunas to Steven Adams, it's a good thing that when you're getting Jaron back and, you know, trying to get him back acclimated with being healthy and getting his role going, you don't have to worry about him with center responsibilities. But you've got Steven Adams, who has a good ceiling when it comes to his defensive ability. He can take care of the rim. Let Jaron create havoc all over the place. So opportunity on offense, the freedom to do what he can do best on defense. And I think that's what will get Jaron comfortable and make him a force on both ends of the court. I love the opinion that one thing that Jaron's got to pick up is a go-to move. Uh, I see too many times where he gets the ball uh, on an opportunity and the defense reacts 
And then he just kind of stops and goes, uh, never mind. And he resets. And oftentimes it's late in the clock. It feels to me very much like he needs to have a set of go-to moves, whether it's just like a simple, like, you know, jab, shake, pull up jumper or spin move. He needs something in order to have a go-to that he can get comfortably to a shot. If he needs to be the one taking that shot because of where the clock is at. Am I wrong on that? No, not at all. There definitely needs to be some type of resourcefulness when it comes to Jaron Jackson Jr. And, you know, his time off, obviously, I think that he's now missed 109 games in his career. That certainly is something that has kind of, you know, taken a bite out of his opportunity to develop those go-to moves, especially out the dribble. But one thing that hasn't really been a part of Jaron's game since his rookie year was that ability to get down low in the paint against smaller mismatched players to get a couple of easy baskets early in the game. I think that that's something you, when we talk about go-to moves, we're talking about with the ball in Jaron's hands. It doesn't even have to be that. That can develop as the year goes along, but getting him mismatched down low to create a few easy two-point uh, two shots and then for there make that something the defense has to respect that will allow for him to move on the outside as well so if we're talking about go-to moves you obviously would love to see it off the dribble but using him off the ball in different ways in the paint as well as outside I think that's how you can add variety when it comes to go-to moves for Jaron. Josh's shot was really rough when he came back first from injury it's been inconsistent since he got in the league. Sometimes it looks great. Sometimes it looks really rough. His overall numbers were bad last year, but I think that that kind of is cloaked by his recovery from the injury and the inconsistency of the entire season due to the COVID interruptions and everything else with the chaos of last year. Uh, how confident are you that Jaws going to be able to work out his shot mechanics? I think that it is going to take time. I, I am confident that Ja is someone who, you know, two or three years from now, I, I think he is someone that you could comfortably say he's going to get up five threes a game and shoot 36 and 38% from three. Do I think that's a possibility for Ja? I really, really do. And in the second half of last year, I believe from April 1, if my memory serves me correct, he shot 37% from three, still struggled a bit at times, but, you know, of course, against Golden State, he was hitting the shots well. And a few of the games against uh, Utah, he was hitting the shot well. So it was there in the second half. A lot of it has to do with just simply being smooth with his mechanics, Matt. The less he thinks, I think the better off he is. There's a, There was an ability off the dribble. There was an ability to, in catch and shoot situations, not sit there and, you know, uh, halt. It was just a, a one solid motion. So I do think it's something that's going to be there. But this year, my hope is five threes a game. Get to five threes a game, good high percentage looks, continue to improve your ability off the dribble. I think the frequency of which he shoots the three will be a big step forward for him. If he can get four to five threes a game on a regular basis, I think you'll start to see his three-point percentage go up as the season goes along. I was not shocked that they moved Jonas Valanciunas and then basically did what I've referred to as a Russian nesting doll series of trades where they traded JV and pieces for what wound up being Zaire and Bledsoe and then moved Bledsoe for Beverly and Rondo and then moved <laughs> Beverly for Wancho and uh, Wancho and who's the other person they picked up in that deal? The, the Jared Culver. It's like, De I'm not sure if you're an office fan or not, Matt. It's like Dwight at that office garage. Zone. Yes. You trade one trinket for another. Yeah. Yes. 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 Where it did like constantly swapping and basically like, what they were, what they worked down to. And like, I, I'm not surprised they made some cost-saving moves, but I think first off, as far as those deals go, um, you know, look, I think I think Adams has a lot of miles on him, and that's been one of the reasons why his defense has slipped. I think 
he's been on some teams where he kind of understood, eh, we're not really going anywhere. And so I think that's probably made some of his slippage a little bit more apparent. I am concerned about the defensive slip because I thought that even though JV's numbers, especially in pick and roll, were actually worse when I looked at them than I thought they would be. Um, I still thought like, you know, big and, and pretty mobile, at least able to play drop pretty effectively. And Adams is, has struggled a little bit. And obviously as good as Adams is just as like a pure role, man, he's run pick and roll a lot. JV can create a lot more of his own offense and obviously can spread the floor a lot more. Are they going to be okay without Val and Shunas? Are uh, these two questions are kind of tied because the bank is really on uh, Tillman and the rest of the young guys, like their moves were very much transparently. We believe in the young guys. Are those young guys ready? And are they going to wind up really missing JV this season? I think early on, they are going to miss JV, especially when it comes to the early part of their schedule with the fact that they're on the West Coast for four out of their first five games against playoff caliber teams. I certainly do think that they're going to miss JV, but I think that that's kind of the situation that the Grizzlies wanted to put themselves into and for two reasons. Number one, JV was the ultimate safety valve. Through him, you had the Grizzlies produce as one of, if not the best paint-producing team out there in the league for much of last season. But as we saw, Matt, I know you watch a lot of the Grizzlies games. That's wonderful. It made the most of the roster that Taylor Jenkins had at his disposal, but the ceiling of that type of play just simply isn't there in the playoffs. If JV is your best offensive player, you're not going to go for it in the playoffs with how much the three is meaningful in high leverage and postseason situations. So the Grizzlies took an expiring contract, got future value for present value, all that different stuff. But I think they want it to be sink or swim. And I think that the trade of JV wasn't just about getting future assets for present value. It was a sink or swim philosophy. The Grizzlies know that they have got to take a step forward in their shot from distance. That has to be a featured part of their offense, and they have to balance out their threat in the paint to set up their opportunity from outside. You want shot creators to eventually do that in time, but since we don't have a lot of that on the roster, it's producing in the paint to set up those high-leverage looks from distance. That has to be a bigger part of the offense, and I think the front office is realizing they've got to force the young guys to make that a featured part of the offense, and that's something that they're betting on, especially with Jaron coming back. I do think the young guys are ready. I think that it's going to be a struggle out of the gate, but the thing about it is is that with Taylor Jenkins, he does a great job of instilling confidence in his players. If you make mistakes, you'll learn from it. Let the, If they're going to sink up front at the start of the season, let them so they can eventually swim as the season goes along. Who do you think is going to have the best season of the young guys off the bench? Who do you think is going to like last season? They had a bunch of guys that played great uh, until justice had to be inserted into the lineup. Uh, who do you think is able to carry that forward into this season? Um, I know that the horns have been ablazing from a uh, Keith Parrish over at uh, fast break breakfast. I know that you multiple times have mentioned the Anthony Melton as six man of the year. I truly do feel that he is the third best young talent on this roster besides okay. Jaw and besides Jaron. I think that DeAnthony Melton could, especially if the Grizzlies exceed expectations of third straight season, you see them be in that playoff hunt, and they've got the best bench in the NBA, which I certainly think is an option. DeAnthony Melton is a big reason why. He has potential to be a most improved six-man-of-the-year candidate. You also hope that Brandon Clark gets back to his rookie form and is a big part of that as well. But DeAnthony Melton is the answer, in my opinion. Love to hear that. Uh, finally, the Grizzlies made the playoffs th- via the play-in last season. Do you feel that they're going to be able to secure an actual playoff spot, or do you think they'll likely be back in the play-in again this season? 
I think they're going to be back in the plan. You know, I think that you're going to see a step back from a few teams. You, you possibly will see a step back from the Clippers, but you know, the Lakers are going to be right there. I think the Warriors are eventually going to make another move. They're going to get Clay back healthy, and they've obviously got young, you know, adept now as well. I do think the Grizzlies are going to be back in the play-in. I think they'll be a favorite in the play-in. I do think that New Orleans can make a run this year as well, though they still have plenty of question marks. I think the play-in is the most likely scenario, but I mean, hey, you've got the Grizzlies now with two years of experience in play-in situation, the most experienced team when it comes to play-in scenarios in NBA history, if you will. And they also have the knowledge that they can succeed like they did to get in the playoffs through Steph Curry um, and Oakland, you know, against Golden State. So I think they'll be back in the play-in, but with plenty of confidence, though, the Grizzlies will do all that they can to get in the top six this year. Great stuff. Sean Coleman from Locked On Grizzlies, thanks so much for coming on. Thank you for the time, Matt. My thanks to Sean for coming on. We're going to take a break. When we come back, we're going to talk to Jackson Gatlin of Locked On Rockets. But first, do want to tell you about Sleeper. In 2018, the fantasy sports experts at Sleeper realized that fantasy basketball was broken. Games were being won and lost based on whose players had more scheduled games that week. It makes no sense and required very little strategy. So in 2020, Sleeper released a brand new way of playing fantasy basketball. It's called Game Pick, and it's only available on Sleeper. In Game Pick, owners pick a single game per week for each starter to count towards their team's total score, ensuring an even number of games played between opponents. The days of losing because your opponent's players simply had more scheduled games to play in that week are over. The days of mindless daily busy work are over. The days of giving up halfway through the season because of that busy work over in game picks you pick one game per week for each player based on player matchups home versus away opponents defensive ranking pay to place and mo more pace of play and more all that adds up to more strategy and less busy work whether you prefer redraft keeper or dynasty game picks has you covered sleeper crack the fancy basketball code if you play fancy football if you prefer building out a weekly strategy versus daily busy work you're gonna love game picks download the sleeper app and start a league with your friends today you will not be disappointed. We're also brought to today by Theragun. Don't let the stress of daily life weigh on your body. You can be an elite athlete or just somebody normal, just trying to make it through the day tension-free. Theragun can help. It's a handheld percussive therapy device that releases your deepest muscle tension using a scientifically calibrated combo of depth, speed, and power, and it's as quiet as an electric toothbrush. The Gen 4 Theragun doesn't just feel good. It gets to the source of the pain by releasing tension using Theragun's signature percussive therapy, which goes 60% deeper than vibration alone. Whether you want to treat your muscle tension from working out, an injury, or just the stresses of everyday life, the OLED design makes you feel like you're holding something from the future. Just go to their site and check it out. And the Theragun app learns from your behaviors and suggests guided routines. Theragun is trusted by 250 professional sports teams like Real Madrid and elite athletes like Paul George, DeAndre Hopkins, Maria Sharapova, hundreds of thousands of customers, and lots and lots of others. Try Theragun for 30 days, starting at only $199. Go to therabody.com slash locked on right now and get your Gen 4 Theragun today. That's therabody.com slash locked on therabody.com slash locked on. We'll be right back. Betting on the NBA doesn't have to be a guessing game. You listen to the new Locked On Bets podcast hosted by your boy Q and handicapping expert Lee Sterling. Get daily picks, blowout specials, wrong team favored, and Lee Sterling's lock of the day. Follow the Locked On Bets podcast brought to you by betonline.ag wherever you get podcasts. All right, final segment here on Locked On Nuggets. 
My guy Jackson Gatlin's going to give us a lowdown on the Houston Rockets. We'll be back tomorrow with more from the first media day for the Nuggets. But here first is Jackson Gatlin of Locked On Rockets. Jackson, thanks for coming on. I always get to talk to you on Locked On NBA, which everyone should go subscribe to and listen to. But don't listen to the Thursday show. Listen to the Thursday show so that we look better and then we get get more money. Um, Let me ask you right off the bat. Is Alvin Shagoon going to go into the hall immediately after he retires? Or do you think like they're going to make him wait the same amount of it as everybody else? Like, will he go down as the greatest player of all time immediately or will it take time? Uh, he's going to go down as a greater big man than Nikola Jokic. I'm just going to put that on the record right now here at Lockdown Nuggets. I love it. I love it. What a, what a good start. Bringing the heat right away. I'm, I'm just, I'm already endearing myself to Nuggets fans. I love this. This is great. <laughs> Yeah, you realize that this is what because this actually happened with with Joker, where he had like in 2016 and 2017, he would have these big games versus the dominant names, right? And it would be like, oh, whatever, like sure, had a nice night, but he's nobody versus this other star. And then like a couple of years, it turned out. So like, I, I have no doubt that Shingun's gonna have like a big game versus the Nuggets, and it's gonna be like, yeah. Guess who's the real best big man in the NBA in a few years? I'm, I can the moment you. the moment Shingun drops a spin move and scores over Nikola Jokic, I'm going to be insufferable on Twitter. Oh yeah, Just putting it out there. Yeah, I mean it's funny because uh, Jokic basically did that on LeBron, and like Nuggets Twitter lost their minds. It was incredible. Uh, but in more serious terms, I will ask you this, and, and we've talked about the Rockets on Locked On NBA quite a bit. Do you think that this season is really committed towards winning or do you think it is, I guess here's my, my bigger question. If they're bad late in the year, will they shift to a tank? Or are they going to play it out because they want to go ahead and keep competing and giving Jalen green and KPJ and all these guys a chance to keep developing? Like, are they in that mode or are they still, if there's an opportunity, probably going to shift downshift and maybe tank late in the year. I think they're very, I think they're, I think, is it weird? I think they're going to be able to kind of do both simultaneously. Like I'm expecting them to be such a bad defensive team that I think it's not going to matter. Like, mm-hmm. I think, I think they're probably, you know, near the tail end of the stint of the season, right? The final, like, you know, five, what, five, 10 games. We might see some of those guys start to get shut down unless, you know, unless rookie of the year is like neck and neck and it's Jalen green and, and Cade Cunningham. And he's, you know, needs to put up a couple more, you know, 30 burgers or something to try and seal the deal. Then maybe he plays out the, you know, remaining into the season. But I think there's no question about it. The Rockets, especially with the news that John wall is planning to sit out this season, uh, which means your de facto starting backcourt for the Rockets is conceivably the backcourt of the future, Kevin Porter jr. And Jalen green, they are now in full blown developmental mode. Um, there was maybe a little bit of a hope that with, how ravaged by injuries this Rockets team was this previous season that with a proper bill of health going to this next season, maybe they'd be talented enough to make a push for that final play in spot, kind of the 10th spot in the Western conference, but with no John wall at the helm uh, and with a renewed focus on developing their young core, uh, the four rookies that they just drafted all of that, right? The, the crop of young guys that they've got behind the scenes from this past season, uh, I, I think there's no question about it. They're definitely uh, working on development first, which I think leads them to be one of the uh, probably bottom five teams in the league, honestly. I'm typically pretty low on rookies. 
uh, not just like, I mean, they obviously have more talent than a lot of veterans, but the, the gap is often so wide. And so it's very rare that I'll actually say that a, a rookie is the best player on a team. For example, like Kate Cunningham's not the best player on the Pistons. It's Jeremy Grant. Like Jeremy Grant's a multi-year experienced veteran, uh, was a serious candidate for most improved player last season, could handle the ball, shoot, defend the works. Like Jeremy Grant's a better player than Cade Cunningham right now. I honestly don't know what the Rockets, if I would say, like, I think their best player might be Jalen Green. Am I crazy on that? Like Christian Wood is the only guy outside a wall that I can really point to and go, that guy's better. I think it's a, I think it's a bit of a stretch. I can see where you're coming from with Jalen Green and the talent is absolutely there. I think Christian Wood showed me especially and showed a lot of people enough pre-injury Christian Wood was making a lot of strides defensively. And I think he would have absolutely been, you know, in the talk, in the running for most improved player of the year award. Had he not missed 17 games due to that ankle injury. He also missed before missing the big chunk of games due to the ankle injury. He missed three games, uh, was sidelined, came back probably before he was hundred percent healthy. And then that's what sidelined him for the extended stretch. But before that all happened with the same ankle, uh, both times he was, you know, showing, it really impressive strides defensively as both a weak side shot blocker, really understanding how to occupy his space and trying, you know, kind of anchoring the team defensively at times. And it was really just a night and day difference from where he was at the start of the season to where he had gotten to and gotten up to speed rather quickly, you know, being thrust into his first starting role, you know, being a focal point on offense and then also having to, you know, fulfill his share of, you know, defensive responsibilities as the five anchoring the Rockets defense. Ultimately, I think Christian Wood is still their best player, but I can see where you're coming from thinking, you know, Jalen Green has an argument to be made there. Why do they sign Daniel House when they have all of these guys? Like they have a fair amount of big dudes. I don't feel like they're hurting. I, I don't I don't look at their roster and be like, boy, they could really use some size. I think they're they're pretty okay with that, even if a lot of them are young. What was the thinking with the with the tight signing? I think with Daniel Tice, one, the Rockets really experimented with Christian Wood and Kelly Olynyk sharing the floor together uh, once Kelly Olynyk became a Rocket for the second half of last season. And they really liked that experiment, that kind of twin towers deal between Christian Wood and Kelly Olynyk, kind of interchangeably letting them play the four and five uh, and then matching up uh, with whoever made more sense on the opposing bigs. Uh, Christian Wood often guarding the more slender option or, or maybe the, the kind of more wing-esque option, depending on matchups. And I think that's something that they kind of wanted to go for with the Daniel Tice signing is they wanted to bring in a veteran big to kind of help anchor the defense. And I've, I've likened Daniel Tice to kind of being like the defensive version of Kelly Olenek, if that makes sense, right? He's a, he's a versatile defender. He can kind of help anchor you on that side a little bit. He's not going to give you as much offensively. He still gives you a little bit of the five out spacing. He's, you know, a quality rebounder. Kelly Olenek is able to play make his facilitating was something that I wasn't quite aware of his, his passing ability uh, was kind of, uh, unaware or unbeknownst to me until he became a rocket. And then, you know, really got to see him on, on display uh, on a nightly basis. But I think with Daniel Tice, they wanted somebody that they could put next to Christian Wood to kind of say, all right, he's your enforcer, right? He's the guy who's going to take the tougher defensive assignment on a nightly basis, kind of freeing you up to you know, kind of be that roaming presence defensively, be that weak side shot blocker that we know you can be. And then not only that, but to just be a solid veteran presence for those other bigs, right? Christian Wood, this is only his second campaign where he's going to be a starting uh, player, a, you know, a focal point with the team that he's on. Uh, and then they're bringing Alperin Shingun and Usman Garuba, who are both, you know, incredibly talented, but both extremely raw. 
And so having that veteran presence enticed to kind of, you know, show them the ropes, really kind of teach them the ins and outs of being an NBA big. I've made the uh, assertion that I think depending on his de- development path, we could very easily see Alperin Shingun slot into the starting five spot on this in the second half of this upcoming campaign, depending on how he develops as the main backup to Christian Wood and, and Daniel Tice. I think ultimately we're probably going to see a lot of Usman Garuba in the G League. Uh, to start, I, I don't necessarily see him in the rotate in the bigs rotation because the Rockets also like to play small. They like to run Christian Wood at the five a little bit, and they're going to run a lot of KJ Martin and Jay Sean Tate at that four spot when they do ultimately run Christian Wood or you know Alper and Shingun or whoever else at the five. Who's your favorite uh, unheralded young guy on this team? They got the who's the favorite guy that because they have so many really talented young dudes. Who's your favorite guy that doesn't get talked about enough and and has the, the real breakout capacity? I think, you know, I'm really torn here because he really grew on me over, over the course of summer league. And I was, I wasn't like, I don't want to say I was down on him during the draft, but I just wasn't as excited about him as the other three picks. Um, Josh Christopher really thoroughly impressed me throughout summer league. Every single time he talks to the media, um, he's definitely one of those guys. He's like a media darling. Like, you know, he, he has solid answers, um, very transparent, you know, very energetic, uh, you know, runs on 110 at all times. And then you saw him in summer league and really displaying everything that he could do. He's not afraid to handle the rock. He's not afraid to score. Um, he is, you know, very different defense minded, defensive oriented. We saw that highlight play in summer league where he locked up Cade Cunningham and he already has kind of like that, uh, that swagger, that strut, like after he gets a, a clean defensive stop on a guy. Um, I think he's going to be a solid NBA player. Absolutely. Like at bare minimum, like rotation quality guy, for years to come. He just needs to, you know, work on that outside shot a little bit as well as some of his decision-making offensively, but he's a young guy. I can't fault him for that. Likewise, I really want to give a shout out to KJ Martin. Um, you know, he's a guy who put in so much work this past season and got to a point where at one point he had a streak where he was shooting like 40% from behind the arc. Uh, and that was not something if you told me KJ Martin was uh, shooting that well from behind the arc early at the, in the early part of the season from where his shot mechanics look to where they were, to start the season and then to end the season, he put in an immense amount of work to remove the hitch in his jump shot to get to a point where it was fluid, where he was confident in pulling the trigger from behind the three-point line. And he's continued to work on that, working on his ball handling, other, other skills over this offseason. And he has all the tools to be a really explosive, uh, really high-quality 3-and-D wing in today's NBA. If you're wondering, yes, that is Kenyon Martin Jr. Yes, that is Kmart's son. Um, so last question for you. I'm not going to ask you about record. I'm not going to ask you about playoffs because we're reasonable here. I want to ask you, what do you think the Rockets will finish in offensive efficiency in 2021-22? I tentatively think they're going to be somewhere flirting around like 10 to 15. Like legitimately, I think that Steven Silas is a guy who is an absolute tactician when it comes to NBA coaching and unfortunately didn't get to really attempt any of the advanced stuff that he wanted to get into both offensively and defensively this past season for a lot of reasons, because he he never had consistency with his lineups. He never had a proper training camp because of the James Harden situation. Um, He just didn't have a fair shake at going into last season, but this season one, we're kind of, you know, 
setting setting the tone early with John Wall deciding he's going to sit out. So there's no questions about his fit or the clunkiness of potentially running a three guard set with Wall, Green, and Kevin Porter Jr. in your starting lineup because you don't want to. You know, each one of those guys has a has a claim to a starting spot for their you know in their own right. And so now that uh, debacle is taken care of. Ultimately, I think that they're going to be a really explosive offensive team and they're going to put up a ton of numbers on a nightly basis. Uh, obviously, Jalen Green is going to get buckets. Kevin Porter Jr. is going to get buckets. Christian Wood's going to get buckets. They're going to run. They're going to play extremely fast. I think their downfall is going to be defensively. I think they're going to have a lot of struggles, both being a really young team and the fact that they have a lot of defensive question marks, guys who haven't shown that they can be even like net neutral NBA defenders to this point. KPJ. Jalen Green, um, Christian Wood did so sh- show some strides, but also had some times where you know he seemed kind of unaware of what he was supposed to be doing defensively. Right? What is his assignment? That kind of thing. So I do think they're going to finish somewhere in that ten to fifteen range, and then uh, somewhere bottom of the league defensively. Yeah, sounds about right. I think that's pretty on target. It's going to be interesting just because there's so many good offensive teams. But I can definitely see it. They've got a lot of firepower. That's Jackson Gatlin. From Locked On Rockets, you should definitely check out his show, especially whenever the Nuggets get to tip-off versus Houston, uh, as they no longer have to fear James Harden tearing them into pieces. Instead, it's Jalen Green and, of course, Alperin Shangun bringing the heat there. Jackson, thanks for joining me. Absolutely. Always a pleasure, Matt. All right, that's going to do it for Locked On Nuggets for a Monday. Thanks for joining us, everybody. Make sure to tune in tomorrow. We'll have... Some players will be available. I don't know who yet. We'll talk to them. We'll get you our thoughts on what they had to say. Nugget season is approaching, folks. Media day starts tomorrow. It's been moved up. Uh, Let's see. The first preseason game is like 10 days away. We're there. We're like, we're on the cusp of basketball being back. It's very exciting. Make sure to keep it here on Locked on Nuggets. Make sure to rate, review, and subscribe. Make sure to follow Adam on Twitter at Adam underscore Mares and follow his work at thedmbr.com. You check out my work at the Action Network. We'll see you guys again next time tomorrow on Locked on Nuggets. Spring? Is that you? Warmer temps mean new Allbirds styles. Meet the Super Light Collection, the lightest ever shoes from Allbirds, now in fresh colors. These must-have travel shoes have a lighter-than-air feel and barely-there fit that made them the most packable shoes ever. Plus, they're comfy right out of the box. That means more comfort and less baggage. Experience how Allbirds is redefining comfort. Visit Allbirds.com and use code SUPER24 for a free pair of socks with a purchase of $48 or more. That's A-L-L-B-I-R-D-S dot com, code SUPER24.